0: Good morning, welcome to Chapel Street, welcome to anyone who's visiting, it's great that we can come and worship our God this day. With our Bibles, let's have them open to 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to be focusing in on the the latter verses from that chapter, verses 17 down to 21. So let's come before God again and pray. Father, we thank you that we can open your word this morning so freely. So, Father, we pray that you would help us not to take that for granted. But, Lord, as your word speaks to us this morning, that you would change and renew us. Lord, that you would not allow us to leave in the same way we come. That come, Lord, either because you've shown us things that need to change or you've just woken us up. Lord, it's so easy just to roll through life and get distracted by other things. We pray this morning that you would help us hear your voice, that you would speak into our day and into our lives for the praise and glory of your name. The key word that comes out through that passage this morning that was read to us is the word reconciliation. don't know if you've ever had a falling out with someone. I can think of a, a dear friend many, many years ago. We had a falling out. It got very awkward. We had many awkward encounters. We had our time of sort of staying away or meeting in random places. But little by little, we started to meet again. Little by little, we started to chat. and bit by bit, we both worked and forgave and acknowledged, and God restored our friendship, and he's a dear friend. Have you ever had to be reconciled? As a nation, we're wrestling through all that at the moment too, and with Australia Day, it'll be something that will be in the forefront of many people's minds, this idea of reconciliation, because it can be between individuals, but it can also be between parties. In the Bible, we see reconciliation between the Jew and the Gentile, because there's great enmity. But as this word reconciliation is spoken about and taken seriously, I wonder if we will consider the most serious reconciliation of all, your reconciliation with God you know this I don't? Do you gather here as someone this morning who is reconciled to God? Reconciliation is something that takes place between two parties, enmity. There's no peace between the two parties. Reconciliation is when there's peace again, there's fellowship again. The Bible says that in our sin, we're at enmity with God. There is no peace. But if we are reconciled to God, there is peace, there is fellowship. And that reconciliation is very important because it's the difference between an eternity in heaven or in hell. So this morning, can you say you are reconciled to God? Do you have the peace that comes from knowing God? Our passage this morning explains to us and makes clear to us the way of reconciliation with God. And firstly, we see that reconciliation, a wonderful reality and offshoot of it is new life. This is a reconciliation that has the greatest benefits of all. We get God, we're in fellowship with God, but God does something so graciously for us, verse 17. We read, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself a new creation. Are you of the old or are you of the new? God's reconciliation brings newness. Why do we need to be made new? Many people are quite happy with how they are. They don't think about it because they're not listening to God. You just take your mind back to the very beginning, the opening chapters of the Bible. We see in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But we see, get to chapter three, sin has come into the world that has marred the heavens and the earth. And then God makes this wonderful promise. He said one day he will create a new heaven and a new earth where there is no sin. God needs to do away with the old earth and create a new earth. That'll be perfect. The new creation will be better. It'll be eternal, untainted. And all who live in the new creation will live with God forever. But to be of the new creation, you need to be made new yourself. Because if you are not made new like the old creation, one day we all need to be done away with. Are you honest if you are not reconciled to God? Because a sinner is honest will know that you're a rebel against God that you don't live according to God's word and that you don't fit into the new creation. But God is willing to transform that. And that's why this is such a joyful thing to be reconciled to God brings the greatest joy because God enables you to share in the new creation by making you a new creation. You. If you're someone who has sincerely said sorry to God for your sins, repented of your old ways, you can know you are a new creation today as you sit here because God has reconciled you to himself. You are no longer an enemy of his. You're no longer an enmity with him. You have peace. And it's done. It says in verse 17, you are a new creation. Not you will be. Today, as you look at the person next to you, see some of us looking a bit more ragged than others. Some of us pulling ourselves a little bit more heavily than the others. They are a new creation. God has done a miracle. God has done a miracle from the inside. God has made you and them fit for heaven. The old has gone. That's done. It says it has gone. The old has gone away. No matter what you are or who you are or wherever you've been, God's done something new with you. That new creation is done away with sin. God has forgiven your sin. Sometimes you can remember your old self and it's not good. Sometimes it grieves you when you remember your old self. But when God made you a new creation, it's not like your old self is in the closet or sort of 10 feet behind you. It's gone. Gone once and for all. It says passed away. It's dead. No longer there to haunt you. No longer there as baggage to be born. God has made you new. Your old self is dead. What a gift. That new has come. God has given you a fresh start and that fresh start is permanent. God no longer sees you as a sinner. He no longer sees you as you once were. He sees you differently. It's that picture of like you get, I've been looking for some things that we need to work on the house. You look online and they sort of put the price up when they say it's still in the wrapper or it's still in the box. In a sense, God is making you as if you've always been in the wrapper never come out the box there's nothing tainted you there's nothing to mar you you are pristine and that's how God sees you today as a new creation and it's now not future you're alive in the spirit now you have eternal life now we are not waiting to receive eternal life in Christ we have eternal now you have already begun living for eternity yes we have a body that needs to be given to us so that the real us on the inside in that sense can have a body with which to dwell for eternity. But your life is eternal now. God has made you alive. You're already someone fit for the new creation because you're a new creation now. And as a consequence of that, if we've been changed on the inside, if God's made us new on the inside, given us a new heart, a new spirit, God does things on the inside. What's on the inside, the Bible says again and again, comes out. And so we change. Once spiritually dead, now we're spiritually alive. Once we had a heart that was against God, now we have a heart that's for God. We have this wonderful life that's free to live for God. No longer living for man's approval. We live for God. No longer trying to find a reach or climb ladders to get to heaven. We rest in God. No longer seeking the riches of this world, because we have the riches of the heaven age to come. God has made us new. Anyone who's been reconciled to God is wonderfully new. And here we see next that it is God's work. Verse eighteen. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we see it's God's work repeatedly. In verse 17, when it speaks of a new creation or the new has come, it's the new has come into being. Again, we remember creation. You didn't create yourself. There is no one at the end of day six of creation when God looks at it all and said it's very good that could say, I did it myself. God brought everything into being. God brought Adam and Eve into being. And in the same way, you going from your old self to your new self, God brought that newness into being. God spoke just as in the beginning, God said, let there be. And it was so. God said to you in his grace, let there be in you, put your name there, a new creation. And it was so. God recreated you. He made you new on the inside, put life where there was death. And we see too, it's God's initiative. We don't go looking for God to be made a new creation. Bible says by nature, we are objects of wrath. The Bible says we love our sin. The Bible says we'd happily live without God, but God in his love took the initiative to seek you out, to reconcile you to himself. He took all the initiative to make the transaction the payment all that is needed to do away with wrath and bring peace by sending his son to die on the cross reconciliation is a gift from god a gift from god that was all in jesus verse 19 in christ it says in christ he was reconciling the world to himself That's not a verse that's teaching us what some people call universalism, that somehow everyone's going to be saved. The Bible says there will be people in heaven and there will be people in hell. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. It's only those who believe in Jesus and share in Christ are reconciled. So two ways of thinking about this reconciling the world. Firstly, God's work of reconciliation is global. It's cosmic. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. What God has done through Jesus Christ is to redeem creation, a creation tainted by sin. And through Christ and only through the cross will there be a new heaven and a new earth. So God is doing something that's all encompassing. And two, we see it's reconciling the world. It's not just for the Jews. God is reconciling people from all over the world. The message goes to the ends of the earth, Jew and Gentile, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that reconciliation is only in Christ. Reconciliation with God cannot and does not come through Muhammad or Buddha or through self-help programs or self-improvement. None of those things will bring reconciliation with God. God is reconciling sinners to himself. In Jesus. No Jesus, no reconciliation. In Christ alone. And there we see it's all of God, but He shows us mercy. Verse 20 says He won't count our sin, our trespasses against us. God does not need to reconcile you or me to Himself. Our relationship is broken with God because of our sin. God is the offended party. We are the offenders. God is the creator. We are the creatures. God is the king and the judge. We are the culprits. God has every right to count our trespasses against us. Not just every right, but every just, lawful reason. Divine justice demands the punishment for sin. But here we see God is merciful. Mercy is not treating someone as they deserve. And God doesn't treat you and me as we deserve. God takes the initiative. Reconciliation is all of him and that he doesn't treat you and me as we deserve. He doesn't count your sin against you. We get, a, we get anxious or concerned if just people near us know our sin. We have sin that we don't want others to know about. Yet God knows all of it. He won't count it against you in Christ. How is that? Here's the next thing we see that reconciliation is through the cross. Verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. So that in him, it's Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is the truth. God has reconciled us to himself in Jesus, but how can he do it? Divine justice says the wages of sin is death. We can't just draw near to God. God enables us to draw near through Jesus. Something happens with Jesus that means God won't count your sin against you. And verse 21 explains what God does. And we need verse 21 because there's no reconciliation with our Christ. There's no reconciliation if God's going to count your sins against you. There's no reconciliation if God just ignores your sins because that's unjust. So God does something that's lawful and righteous and just. For our sake, he made him to be sin. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Ephesians 2 says, you are, I am by nature an object of wrath. Just have to acknowledge it. If we want to rejoice in the gospel rightly, we need to acknowledge the predicament we were in. We were hellbound. bound. Our account was full of sin, not just full, but overflowing with sin. And yet we see God didn't count your account against you, but Jesus, the perfect Son of God, the Lamb without blemish, beautifully righteous, perfect in every way, was made sin. God took the sin from your account says, I'm going to put it in his account, which made him answerable for it. God emptied your account of all its ugliness, filthiness, vileness, frothy, foaming wickedness. God got it and placed it on the beautiful lamb of God, Jesus. And he didn't just do that for you. He did it for all his people. Christ's account was full of all the sin and filth and wickedness that God should count against you. And Jesus bore it. He had to pay for it. Jesus paid for all our immorality. Jesus paid for your lies. Jesus paid for your drunkenness. Jesus paid for your adultery. Jesus paid for it all because God counted him as you. And his wrath was poured out on him. So literally we see that for our sake, he made him sin who knew no sin. Jesus became the sacrifice. He was substituted for you. And that sacrifice, the Bible specifically calls as a propitiation. God is wrathful against sin. And he's the sacrifice that takes that wrath away. It's exactly what the prophet said in Isaiah 53. He was smitten by God. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. He was chastised that we don't need to be. The Lord laid on him the iniquity, all our iniquities, the lay the iniquities of us all, of Jesus. Isaiah 53 verse 10, a wonderful verse of grace. It was the Lord, it was the will of the Lord to do this, to crush it. Jesus did this willingly. He laid down his life. Our sin was imputed or credited to Jesus that we would have an account that's empty. Never taken out the rubber. Never marred. pristine. Your account looks the way Jesus did and does until God filled it with your sin. And the result, we become the righteousness of God. When Jesus paid for your sin, he paid it to the full. Just this little speck. Jesus, the lamb without blemish. he didn't even have a speck on him. And when he paid for all your sin, you have been left as someone who doesn't even have a speck on you. And that's how God sees you today in Christ, even though we struggle to believe that sometimes. So that you have become righteous. And see the righteousness of God. Firstly, in understanding that what God has done in reconciling you to himself is at work. It's the righteousness of God. God has been utterly lawful. Everything that took place on the cross is right. As the heavenly beings look on, they see a righteous work of God and you're it. God has done this work through Christ. You are the righteousness of God at work. But we see that your account has become like Jesus. You believe it today that as you trust in Jesus, your account is empty. Empty. And Jesus, when you put your trust in Jesus, your account was always going to be empty. You weren't just forgiven for your sins up to the day you put your trust in Jesus and were reconciled to him. Christ has paid for all your sins, for your enduring reconciliation. Yes, we fumble and stumble and we let God down. The blood of Christ is ever covering that sin. As we live daily for Jesus, clinging to Jesus, your account is ever empty. Your account has become like Jesus. So reconciliation is that with God is the most joyful thing. Reconciliation is utterly and thoroughly the work of God. Reconciliation is only accomplished through the cross of Christ because reconciliation is about enmity being replaced with peace and the cross is our peace. So a few things as we think about living a reconciled life. These verses are often used quite quickly to take us to the work of evangelism, but let's just slow up a bit and consider the verses as they are. Firstly, we see that there is a special responsibility, firstly upon the apostles, but then upon ministers and their ministry of reconciliation. We start with the apostles, but us repeatedly is Paul and the apostles. <clears throat> Excuse me, verse 18. It says, through Christ reconciled to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And then the Apostle Paul looks to the church. We implore you. God initially set the apostles apart as the ambassadors, as the ministers of reconciliation. That picture of verse 19 is literally that God got entrusted. It's literally God put the word in them. God put the logos in them. It's like a treasure. The gospel, this treasure of eternal life, of us being reconciled to God, God took that message and he placed it in the apostles that they had to speak it out as they went around the world. It was a message that they were entrusted with, a message they had to proclaim. So there is only one message of reconciliation. It's the apostolic message, the one we get in the Bible. As the millennia have gone by, we don't have the message of Reconciliation as it's given to you. We must hold fast to the one message of reconciliation. Paul writes to Timothy and says, as I've given you the message, now you need to find men in the church to whom you can entrust this message and they're responsible to make sure you don't deviate from it. And that passes not the baton. And so pastor a minister's primary foundation responsibility is to guard the gospel speak it to the people, to take it to the world, to make sure we don't shift from the Bible. Because when we shift on that ministry, that word, we see in verse 20, God making his appeal through us. To say, I'm not interested in this message is to say, God, I'm not interested in your word. You're not rejecting man, you're rejecting God. So as we read the Bible, as we hear the gospel, listening to God. And secondly, we see the ministry of reconciliation that Paul is focused on here is he first goes to the church. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal to us. And this is the verse that stood out to me in a way that hasn't previously We implore you, the church, the people of God in Corinth, and for us today, the people of God in Armidale, at Chapel Street, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Apostle Paul would get up today and say, be reconciled. Clearly, he's not appealing to us to somehow save ourselves, to somehow earn our way to heaven, because he's made it clear, you have been reconciled. Rather, it's an appeal from Christ. That's where this we're coming from, Christ himself. Having been reconciled to God, be reconciled to him. I think there's a bit of a parallel. Once I was married to Briony, I come from Briony's perspective. If Briony's been married to me, you say, someone comes to Bryony, be married. You're not single anymore. You're not living your old life. Be married. If you're married, be married. If you've been reconciled to God, be reconciled. Having been reconciled, don't live as someone else who is not reconciled. Don't live for the old man that's been done away with. Live for the new. Be whom God has made you to be. You are a new creation, so live the life of the new creation. God has made you new, so the old is gone, so don't go back to it. If you look back to verse 14 in 2 Corinthians 5, we see what it's like once God, reconciles to us, for the love of Christ controls us. That should be something. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live, we're alive, might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake died and was raised. Be reconciled. Live for God. Live the reconciled life. The words there are strong. It's not live the reconcile. It's beseech. It's implore. I beg you. And so my responsibility today, if I'm the one opening this word, is to beg you on behalf of Jesus, live the reconciled life. Be reconciled to God. Don't go back to where you've been. Don't go back to the things Christ has paid the price for. Don't go and do the things that Christ has emptied the account from. Live the new life. So that's something only you know. And so that's something to take home today. How is your life? Are you reconciled to God and how you're living? Or are you having fellowship with the world? Are there things in your life that you need to come to God and say, show me where actually I'm not living in fellowship with you. I've sort of got a foot on both sides and in fellowship with the world. Because reconciliation is about living a life of fellowship with God in your whole life. So, ask God to show you. I need to ask God to keep showing me that we would live lives of the new creation. Next, we get some principles for reconciliation. First, we see that God was willing to forgive. Reconciliation involves forgiveness. God did all that was necessary, He didn't just say it's an idea, He did everything that was needed so as to offer forgiveness. He sent Christ to die on the cross so he could offer forgiveness. As the offended party, God was willing to forgive and he did all that was necessary. But the party that's offended, we see too. In Jesus' own words, we need to repent and believe. We need to confess our sins. We need to acknowledge and be sorry for the things we have done. To trust in Jesus for the payment on the cross. So we need to own up to our sins and the wrongs we have done. Same between people or parties, if there is not a willingness to repent or confess, and not a willingness to forgive, the relationship will never be restored. We need both. We need both, and it's not conditional. We don't have reconciliation. To say, "I will forgive you," when you're really to commit your wrong or vice versa. Both parties just need to play their role and then by the grace of God something can be restored. Cuz there's not genuine sorry from me if I'm still holding you to account until you say sorry. Or there's not going to be genuine forgiveness from me if I'm saying I'm only going to forgive you when you say sorry. No. Both need to forgive, one needs to forgive, the other needs to say sorry. How hard is that between sinful people? Men and women are full of sin. Men and women are of the old self, but're not of the new creation. We're not very good at restoring relationships. We're not very good at restoring in a relationship that doesn't have my interest at stake. And that's a problem of a sinful world. and that's why I wanted to bring our attention today to the great reconciliation with God that you and I might make sure we are reconciled to God and then by his grace, that reconciliation might overflow into the world, that we would be the peacemakers in the world. Because a nation will be transformed as the gospel goes out and men and women are made new creations and men and women are forgiving and confessing to one another. But sadly, our world always tries to fix things without God. We always want a solution that's without God. And so finally... If we're going to live the reconciled life, we need to take that message to the world. Either as you share it and equip to share it, but also like the Samaritan woman who went and said, come and listen, bring people to hear the message. And we share in that glorious ministry. As we take the gospel to the world, you are sharing in someone becoming a new creation. God is making you a part of a creative work an eternal work, as God takes you to the world and you share the gospel, you're a part of someone finding and coming to share in the cross. You're someone that has been a part of the wrath of God being taken away and people knowing peace. You're part of building up the kingdom of heaven. Being peacemakers. Let's remember the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel. Men and women might make their peace with God, and we pray might make their peace with one another. And so, today, have you been reconciled? This is the most wonderful thing. Your account is empty. And if you have been reconciled, are you living as a reconciled person with God? I'll pray. Father God, we thank you for the facts, the truth of the gospel. in Christ as we hear these truths Lord it's not feeling, it's not emotion it's not just a desire, it's a fact that you have emptied our accounts of all our sin we thank you so much so Father this day please stir our hearts Lord as you have forgiven us may we be quick to forgive others Lord please show us where we may be seeking fellowship with the world rather than fellowship with you Help us to live as men and women of the new creation. In joyful fellowship with you. In Jesus' name.